In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy Beck Did It Better. From 1982, this is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Hey guys, thanks for meeting me in person today for this recording session. I really appreciate it. I didn't think it was safe for us to meet in person, but Aaron kept texting Scamdemic, stink Scamdemic over and over again. So I thought t- he was going to get in trouble, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, he, he doesn't care. So here's the deal: is that I did rent this big spooky mansion that we can record at. So let's awesome. just walk. Let's just walk up to it right now. Let's check. All right. Oh, sounds like a bad base. Rob, something's behind you. Oh, yeah. The podcast hour is close at hand, and our four <laughs> hosts will make their plans. Yes. Russ is at the record store and dating online and trying to make us have a shorter runtime. Rob's editing episodes all night and day. And thinking of dirty things to say. <laughs> Matt's also working hard as well, making spreadsheets of things that can go to hell. But they better tonight. Ooh, baby. Hope it goes all right. Wow, what a singing voice. Yeah, honey. Hope Aaron and Matt start a fight. Uh-huh. <laughs> Looking at downloads on the website. Oh, no. <laughs> A number of listeners are slight. And Aaron's locked in his garage so sweet. Looking at photos online of feet. Thinking of songs that are so obscure. And his funny laugh is the only reason he is here. And though the quality will take a dive with only old jokes in our quiver, we are forced by this damn list. To make a podcast about the Michael Jackson album Thriller. <laughs> when you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track. I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. It was so hard for me not to make that whole thing just making fun of Aaron. I had to really, like, everyone got, like, half a verse, and then Aaron got two. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Beck did it better. And I've got some guys here who are always trying to be starting something. Let's introduce it. Uh, We've got Russell in Minneapolis. Russell, how are you doing today? Four walls won't hold me tonight. If this podcast is just an apple, then let me take a bite, Rob. So, sounds good. We got Matt. Matt in Minnesota. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me. And we've got something. Aaron just sent me a chat message that says, please refer to me as PYT. <laughs> okay. And here we have my own little PYT. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm California. I need some loving. Oh, All right. So we're off to a very fast start there. So offensive, All right. 
<laughs> that is that was the grossest thing you could have said. Yeah. Okay, so it's the only line I could think of from the song. So everybody, let's get into our favorite segment. It's time for Rolling Going. It's 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 time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for Rolling. You know, at the end of that sound clip, I was going to try to clip together a bunch of Aaron's laughing, but I I was like, nah, it got too late for me to do it. All right, rolling, going, everybody. Uh, Russell, rolling, going. How's it going for you? It's going great. It's going great. A few weeks back, I told you guys I, I flew to a conference for the first time in a long time, and I told you about some of my pet peeves. Well, I flew again a few weeks back, and I've got more pet peeves. I need to share them with you. I need to see what you guys think oh, nice. about this. I can't handle just keeping this to myself. All right, let's see what you got here. All right, I know we talked about this one before, but tilting the seat, what the fuck? Like, so, so tilting the seat doesn't seem like that big of a deal when you don't need to use a laptop, but I was going to this, this conference in Dallas Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared for it. So I needed to use the time on the plane to do work and to read and to type and use my laptop. And I sit down and I'm not even sitting there for 30 seconds. And the guy tilts back. And let's just be frank. I'm too big of a dude to fit mm-hmm. in the seat behind me and use the computer. So let, let's just lay the wood on these guys who are people who tilt the seat back. People who tilt the seat back are monsters and they should go to jail. Mm. Okay. They are the worst kind of people. They are the kind of people that make society a terrible place. They're the fucking people that are leaving the shopping carts just willy nilly around the parking lot, even though it's not that much work to put them back, except at Costco, where for some reason they don't have a lot of those cart things. Leave them anywhere. They're huge carts. They're fine. Uh, I've never been to Costco. No. No, it's not your turn. We're not doing this. <laughs> How have you not been to Costco? I'm being a bit sealer. What a bit sealer. What are you doing? Just, I've never been to one. I just, I'm, saying, you? I'm just responding. I'm just, I, I'm just, I imagine the card situation is terrible. The idea of buying food in a reasonable amount hey, is they, laughable I, to me. I had an early flight. It was a 7 a.m. flight, so I was up before 5 a.m. to get up and get going. Oh. And so... This was one That's of these terrible. flights where the flight attendant decided that they were going to be the funny person on the flight and Aww. talk way longer than necessary and try to make every sentence very cute and very charming. The The flight attendant's speech should not last more than a minute. This speech lasted, I would say, eight to ten minutes, and then they repeated it while we were in the air. What are your guys' thoughts on flight attendants who have to be the funniest person on the plane? The worst. The worst. The absolute worst. Yeah, and it, you know Southwest has that, and you know I'm not typically flying Southwest because oh, no, they're usually no. up. No. Well, up they don't low. have a first class, right? Don't yeah, they? Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so it's, what's the point? That's <laughs> sitting in the cabin on a Virgin Airlines flight. Yeah. I mean, if I have to, right? I mean, sometimes it makes sense if you have to, but I don't. It, know. There's nothing worse because then there's Ain't also no dog shitting on Southwest. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. There's also the old lady who's got more bags than she knows what to do with, who won't just put them up top and thinks she can stuff them all underneath because she needs to have her crochet bag and her crossword bag and everything. She's the only one laughing at all the jokes. So it can makes this continue, you know, because if, if nobody's laughing at your jokes, you don't say jokes. Right, Rob? Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, I guess as long as you got to keep trucking along because some people don't understand your kind yeah. of humor and then later it comes out that you're actually a genius, <laughs> but people didn't understand it. I read his book and he had a very funny line where he said, how many people here have never raised their hand? And then I use that in class all the time, and I think it's very good. But I do have to say, for me, it's just awkward, right? Like, I I'm, I try to be funny in class or whatever, and I, I bomb a lot. But it's just a bunch of kids sitting there. Like, they don't know any better. Like, to, to bomb like that in a 
group of people who are already on there. They're grumpy because everybody's leaning back. It's an early morning flight, so Russ got in wearing his robe, and he thinks he should be able to do that, and he got a big argument about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this why why waste our time? Just t- tell us how not to die. Like, you're not going to die if this whole thing fucking goes down anyway. Like, it's going to, oh, there's a raft on board? Oh, great. We'll just get off under the raft. Give me a fucking big, break. Big bopper could have used that advice. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> I think it goes one a little bit further. If you're watching a movie oh. and you know and you know you've got like 15 minutes oh. left and you know mm. you, you can feel it going down, and then that lady who's been a flight attendant for 30 years gets on and goes, "We would like to thank you for flying with Delta today. Please, please fill out this form if you liked our service and you want to be like speed the fuck up so I can finish my goddamn movie." You know, and there's nothing I worse. I can't remember if the bus crashes or yeah. not. Yeah, so it's <laughs> yeah, keep it going. In first class. Oh, this it, it's like just stop talking. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear you. And I'm sorry if somebody's Matt's up. That's trying to get to the end of the notebook. Just, he wants to know if they get together. Just or not. want to get to the end of the notebook. I, I legit almost yeah. had a, a complete spaz when the guy kept talking and kept going on and on. <laughs> the next one that really bothered me, though, I got I got to get your guys' opinion on this. So this was an early morning flight, and what they said was. We're going to shut all the windows. We're going to turn all the cabin lights down so you guys can sleep on the way back. Well, I hope they shut the windows. Otherwise, you'd get sucked out of there. The first. <laughs> yeah, it was very awkward. You're when not I- supposed to laugh at that, Rose. I got oh. sucked out and then I got stuck in the window. It was very awkward. Everyone's like, yeah. hey, that guy's too big. He shouldn't be on that plane, right? No, it was, it was, it was quite embarrassing. It's like, but- it's like, oh, he's getting sucked out the window. He seems to be rotating to try to come off. Oh, no way. He's just putting his penis out the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot tub move. Uh, never mind. Oh, what, what, what? Huh? huh? <laughs> That's Rosie. I mean, Rob. Left field. Take of the week. Hot tub move. But so we're we're on this early morning flight. They turn off all the lights in the cabin, and the people to the right of me on the far side decide they're opening the window. Oh. So there is literally like a blazing bright light in my eyes the whole time, and I kept like. Kind it's of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I kept maneuvering and like making this like I would look at them and stare and then look back and like kept shifting in my chair. And it just they were like, nope, there's going to be a bright light shining on you. Your attempt to sleep is gone. I was on a flight once where the, a person uh, across the way from me was taking flash photography at like midnight and it was lighting up the whole thing. And I was like, what, Rob, what Rob, the fuck you, is going Rob, on? You got to you got to put your, your privates away on that flight. They won't be taking those pictures. <laughs> you can't be doing hot tub moves at 30,000. It, it was flashing photography where it was, you know, it's a whole thing. It's selfie camera. And then, you know, it's, it's just like that. I, I totally get, you know what? Actually, when those, when the, uh, the people on the plane give the speech, I don't know what to call them where I don't get canceled, but I suppose talking about sticking your dick out of an airplane is what's going to get me canceled. Not that, but and now I don't have to edit it out. Yes. Uh, when uh, when they would give that long speech during the movie and I'm sitting next to my daughters because I love I love having two kids. I put them on either side of me on the plane. I'm just like Andre the Giant sitting there. I have so much room and like they can't complain about my this elbows. taking up both. Exactly. And when More they start giving wine. the speech, when they start giving the speech and my music is paused, I literally just go like this. I raise up my hand above the seat and I go like this the whole time they're talking as high as I can. I give them a That's big a thumbs down. down. A big thumbs down the whole time when they're talking, and my daughter's mortified the whole time. And I'm like, I don't want them to do this. Thumbs down. Like, So the last thing I gave a thumbs down to, and obviously I'm not a parent. You guys are a parent. So you're going to have – I really what I want to hear is how do you guys deal with this. I was the guy who was the adult sitting across from the mom and, the, like, the three-year-old kid where he's throwing the ball at me the whole time. 
The kids throw in a tantrum for two hours. What do you guys do when your kids throw in the tantrum on the plane? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. There's, there's two types of parents. There's ones that are trying, like absolutely trying to get their kid to calm down or whatever, and you give them an absolute pass. If they're giving it an effort, you give them a pass. But if they're the ones who are sitting in the middle seat just looking at their own phone and playing their own video games and their two kids are on the side of them just doing God knows what, that guy, boo that guy. Mean old daddy, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> to all those parents out there, say hi to your new daddy. That was a parenting tip from Matt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but absolutely, like, dealing with a kid who doesn't want to be somewhere and you're in a closed spot with a bunch of people around it is the worst. And as long as that mom or dad are trying, I mean, I give them an absolute pass and just say, Hey, you're having a worse day than I am. This one yeah. was trying, so I, I gave her credit. Yeah. But there was a point where I le- legit thought to myself for a few few seconds, <laughs> what if I just like give this kid the evil eye? And then he's going to think like, oh, that's an old dude who's giving me the evil eye. I need to shape the sh- shape up, you know? But then I didn't do it because I was afraid. As a parent, I would appreciate that. I mean, yes. you know, you don't you don't like to get the stink eye from people. But if that if you did that and it worked... I would I would be grateful. So I think it's worth a try. Yeah, I I you, I you, I think when you're a parent with a kid on the plane, you instantly have nothing but sympathy for other parents on planes from then on because yeah. you realize like yeah. sometimes the the pressure just fucks with their kid's head. These you know they got little squishy heads or whatever, and they just can't like they can't <laughs> handle it. And there's nothing a parent can do, and you just feel it because when you're that person, it's kind of like if you've ever worked a job in retail or selling things to people. For the rest of your life, or like if you're a waiter or whatever, for the rest of your life, you have sympathy for that position because you know just how much it sucks. And that was Rob's tip of the week. Aaron, rolling, going. How's it going with you? Ah, oh, it's going. It's going really well. It. Uh, let's see. It's. It's. We're recording on a Friday. Have we mentioned oh, what boy. day it is? Am I allowed to say this? It's Friday the thirteenth oh, today. Go. We're recording on Friday the 13th, so uh, that's that's been fun. I've been thinking about that today. My son really likes to hear spooky stories. Like, he just hasn't gotten over Halloween. Uh, so anytime we pick him up from school, then he says, Dad, tell me a spooky story. And I'm, I'm kind of out of spooky stories, but I did try a werewolf story today. Oh, tell me more. So yeah. I had to explain what werewolves were a little bit. What, so that, what, that what was, was the werewolf that was, story? Man, I I think I kind of just gave the rundown of, like, what a oh, werewolf is. I can see why he's shit right now. This yeah, is very yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And then I, and I did, yeah, I mean, we, we do try not to keep things too violent. So, yeah, I, I kind of got up to a point where I was talking about, you know, oh, werewolves like to kind of keep to themselves and stay away from people. And then, you know, so they kind of like hide off in the trees or the bushes. And this kid's going to get attacked by a werewolf, and it's going to be the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to think all werewolves are tame, and he's going to go to it, try, probably try to feed it. This werewolf is an <laughs> omnivore, meaning he meets eat, he meets, yeah. meats and vegetables, and meats are not good for him, and he should yeah. not be like that. My dad said werewolves are friends. I'm going to go pet it. But I was thinking Grizzly about, man. you know, part, this, part two, this werewolf. So I was like, oh, you know, werewolf, like they get, you know, I was trying to tell the story about it. they get the moon on their skin and then they grow claws and teeth and their eyes glow yellow get, and all of they that. They get really good at basketball, right? I mean, they can they, go, yeah, I was going to bring like that one up. dumps and jump. I know. Yeah, I, dunks. I thought about Ten bringing dunks, that one up yeah. and then I got wolf stuck. Dunks. This happens to me. I get out on a limb in these you stories. And so I was like, and then the werewolf uh, ran into a uh, human and then. They kind of had a face off, and yeah, I, I didn't really know where to where to go. Michael with that J. One. Fox was like but, five uh, foot four. I don't care if he was a werewolf or not; he would have sucked at basketball. 
Yeah, it did, that's, that one's not believable at all. Can you imagine, though, blocking a shot from a werewolf? All time. That'd be a great story. <laughs> yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd tell him Time years. travel. Aaron, did so you, tell, Aaron, so did you tell your son any, like, creepy stories? Like, I always remember the story about, like, the drip, 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 drip. And it was, like, you know, blood uh-huh. dropping from the ceiling. But, like, you tell any really scary stories where, like, oh, he's yeah. not going to sleep tonight? No. Be- oh, my God, no. Because if he doesn't sleep, then I'm going to be in his room laying on the floor no, no, at just, 3 in the morning, Aaron, which test, was last night. Just so. test positive for the virus and go back to that garage. Your wife's going to deal with that shit. <laughs> No, because my son doesn't, my son doesn't forget anything. So he's three and a half and uh, I've played the podcast for him a few times. And so uh, that's not tonight. I said, so I said, I said, Hey, Hey Deb, would you, would you help me do some research for my podcast? Can we just put the Michael Jackson record on one more time? Cause I do happen to own thriller on vinyl and he got real concerned and like he was, he was kind of doing this real hard thinking face. You know, I was like, well, let's put the Michael Jackson record on. And he said, he said, but I don't, I don't want that song where they get off track. I want the the Michael Jackson record instead. (laughs) Like he thought I was going to make him listen to Beck did it better. Oh, oh. he was talking about the theme song (laughs) and he wanted to listen to Michael Jackson instead. So I can't tell him creepy stuff because he never forgets. Your son needs to believe that we are the Kings of media and not Michael Jackson. Like he needs to grow up thinking we are bigger than Michael Jackson. You need to rewind that area and fix that. Yeah. I know I gotta fix it. He, need to, fix he it. needs to think you're the king of pops, not the king of pop. <laughs> oh no, that was a good one. I like that joke. That, I like that one. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah, I would probably. You know what you could do is show him the Thriller video. That video scared the shit yeah. out of me as a kid when he turned with the yellow I know, eyes. I know I had nightmares about that, but it's a good. Way, know, it's like I'm a good ready. kind of like low level. It's and it's a werewolf show, right? And he doesn't kill anybody. Now, in that case, he is going to think werewolves love to dance, so that will be a problem. He, he sure looks like he's going to kill that lady, though. That's that man. That that video was so scary. It was scary, and it was. It's a. I mean, it's a huge part of this album, right? And what we're going to talk about. But God, that it was. It, I don't know. Terrifying. It's terrifying. Show it to him. Let's go, Matt. Rolling, going. How's it going? It's going well, Rob. I uh, <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't hear any good. Fa- I didn't hear any good facts on the radio this week, so oh. I had to go. I had to go look for one, mm. and I, I found a pretty good one. I think. Uh, do you know, have you heard of a, a group called Ace of Bass? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know what? I was going to go, uh, I was going to go to their show and I was lost and I didn't know where to go. And then I did, uh, I did see the sign, but thank you for stepping on that joke. I'm going to have to edit out all that other shit, you guys. So I, I'm just, I'm reading from Wikipedia because I saw this on another website, but so in early 1992, Ace of Bass sent their demo tape to some, some producer named Dennis, with a Z, pop. The demo tape, including the song called Mr. Ace, um, it was, it, at first he was awesome not very man. happy with it, okay? He didn't like it at all. But the tape got stuck in his cassette player, and so he had to listen to it over and over again. This is the story. Yeah. And, and so then gradually he realized that the song, it, you know, the group had some potential. So he didn't follow up with them. They followed up a couple months later. He said, oh, yeah, come on in. He came in. Cut a couple demos, one of them being All That She Wants. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it's they ended up baby? putting it up. Yeah, it's, it's like Russ on the plane. He's next to another baby. They put it out, and it instantly went to number one on the Danish charts. And oh, the Danish charts. From- I've always been into this. <laughs> That's always well, been I can't believe one. It, I can't believe it beat Jorgen Florgen. I have a push notification <laughs> on the Danish charts. Whenever, like, someone breaks into the top 400 on the Danish charts, I get yeah. an update. 
My phone has been blowing up recently. The Danish charts are also only three long. Yeah. <laughs> Third in the Danish charts, your last place. Yeah. So this is so this is this is July in October. It went Danish to number two charts. in Australia. And then cheese, from there, it was number one in Germany and, and hit the top 10 in the U.S. and stuff like that in 94. So from there, but all because a stinking tape got stuck in a guy's uh, we, tape player. We so had that CD crazy. growing up. I mean, that those songs were like, they're still bangers. Like, they're not even they're like bangers. an embarrassing song that I like. It's just a good song, I think. I love Ace of Bass. And you got to admit, that name of the band, Stellar. I think that makes the whole thing. Any other name, not not nearly as good. There right. should be an Ace of Base cover band that does everything in a super low voice, like I saw the sun and it opened, opened up my heart. It's on the other side. I, like I think that's dinishes. a great idea. God, Russ, we have so many good ideas. Remember, now we have I'm, to put this podcast on a tape and go jam it into everybody's cars, and we're set. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to make a thousand tapes or more. Rosie, Rosie, you gotta you gotta ask them. Rob, Rob, how you doing, Rob? Rob, uh, oh, I, oh, I'm supposed oh, to put Rob. a post-it on my computer. Rob, rolling, going. How's yeah. it going? Thank yeah. you guys How's so much. Rob? Really no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's a lonely. It's a lonely job at the top here. But right, here's Rob the deal: talks, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> is that is that uh, this episode is coming out the Tuesday after Thanksgiving? We did miss our Thanksgiving episode. Okay, so we, I know that we are all thankful for having a chance to do this podcast. Uh, and some of us are thankful that they just come in and do it, and then don't actually do anything after that, and that's fine too. Uh, but here's the deal: that? that joke came off way meaner hey, than I meant hey, it to be. Sorry about hey, that. Steve Martin style. Raise your hand if you do nothing on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that seems to be that seems to be very mean of me to say. That. I should not say that. Uh, but it is. It does get me excited for the Thanksgiving. You know, teachers always love Thanksgiving because it basically means like we're going to be. It's breaks Another the rest. Off. It's breaks from here to June, baby. Like it's it, we're set. This first part of the year done. Break time. But I did want to ask you guys. Uh, did you guys have any weird or uh, like not normally Thanksgiving food growing up or that now with your new with your new uh, new family? Is that the right way to put our family now? Like, do you guys have any fun Thanksgiving yeah. traditions or anything or any kind of cool food that most people wouldn't have? No, I was just going to say, I just, we, my mom's side of the family, she's got mm. six siblings. And oh, so, I thought your mom comes over and cooks the dinner. I thought that's what you were going to say. but No, but we, we, go over, we go over to Uncle's house in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and, you know, it's great. And to see... Uh, that side of the family twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's it. But there's this thing that my grandma made, and it literally is just marshmallows, cut up fruit, and whipped cream, and it's the, or a Cool Whip, and it just put it all together and let it chill. And it's like the most simple, basic thing. But that's all I ever, ever associate Thanksgiving with. That's the only time I ever eat it all year, and I love it. And I take like four or five things home, uh, containers home of it. And I have it for like three days straight. Then I'm sick of it for another year. But that's all I eat. So it's pretty basic, um, but it's something that I, I absolutely um, associate Thanksgiving with. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, I have two thoughts. Uh, one about the the past, um, which is that I can't. I, so once again, I've, as I've mentioned on the podcast, I know memory is is funny, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I I do have a memory of eating pheasant one year for Thanksgiving at an uncle's house. And it was a pheasant that he himself had uh, hunted and killed. And it was, it was pretty dry. Uh, if you didn't eat it without the um, gravy over the egg noodles, they're not, they're not very big. How many people were at this Thanksgiving? Like, yeah, not many. I have a small family. It's like you uh, and your uncle definitely found uh, a small pellet from a shotgun 
uh, in there was definitely like lead yeah. in the pheasant. Yeah. <laughs> I remember finding lead in the pheasant. But I'm also excited that you asked this, Rob, because just tonight I cooked one of my uh, new, uh, what I consider a Thanksgiving food, although it has nothing to do with me or my family. But um, this is uh, green. I use, I like collard greens, but any kind of hearty green cooked with uh Coconut milk and peanut butter, of course, and then some ginger. Peanut. And you got to have coconut yeah. milk on it. I what? Mean, not, so coconut I didn't ginger, even know they coconut had nipples. ginger greens. <laughs> 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 so I, it's probably traditional for some Ooh. folks, but uh, the coconut Ooh. coconut peanut greens are my <laughs> my non traditional food that I like to have now. At, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of us enjoy having coconut peanut greens around. I think that sounds very good to me. And definitely, <laughs> they're delicious. I mean, it sounds like a color of a crayon somewhere. I don't even. <laughs> Not my best joke. Edit that out. Edit the whole the thing. Painted, All right. It's the color you painted your bathroom. All right. It? We're going to start again. Let's start again here. All right. So, no, okay. Uh, Russ, what about you? <laughs> uh, so I've got this really big, I, I prepare something really nice for my family every year, and I do it three ways, and that's, like, very cool. Like, you guys know I like going to do, um, I when I travel, I love to go to a restaurant that's run by someone from the show Top Chef. And so I like preparing things things three ways. And so when I go to my family's Thanksgiving every every year, I prepare vanilla coconut greens, just like Aaron does in three different ways every year. It's an amazing thing. My family loves it. It's super healthy. Like they're very hearty people from the Midwest. And like, I love the way you yeah. prepared these vanilla coconut greens. Um, just the way I liked it in the deep fryer. Yeah. Um, it baked and broiled. So it, it's vanilla coconut greens every time. Uh, well, I, yeah. yeah. Transport it in a metal bucket. No, I didn't no. tell you, Russell, but I wanted interesting food. And you were talking about coconut yeah. to be, to metal, be f- metal coconut greens. Is that what we were talking about? I, I wasn't even paying attention to the to first vanilla, time. I'm sorry. Vanilla. To be oh, fair. Vanilla. To be fair, Matt, my, my my family's on the other side of the aisle, so they like that kind of pollution. So I show up with they like, like the plastic. Yeah, oh, that's plastic. <laughs> like I can't even tell you how many plastic bags I've burned in the yeah. backyard after yeah, Thanksgiving. Hey, <laughs> when the meal's done, just take the styrofoam container, go throw it on the tire fire out there. Don't worry about it; it's fine. Hey, you see the renewable that, resource? You see that duck over there? Go throw that go throw that six pack thing right around its neck and let it roll. <laughs> Yeah, vanilla coconut greens. Rob, that's what I do. I just just want to go back really quick. I do want to give this a recipe I learned from Michael W. Twitty, who's a great food author. So I don't want I don't want the moment to go by. He's I'm sure he's listening. So I want to be fair, Aaron. I know enough about. Wait a minute. What was that guy's name? I got a pen now. I got to write it down. What was his name? (laughs) Michael W. Twitty, and that stands for Michael Michael Weird Titties. That's what we're asking, Rosie. So, That's what we're saying. Rosie, what asking. is the recipe? What is the recipe? We're sorry that again, Rosie is so happy to come on here and just have three doofuses interrupted for an hour while he tries to say something sensical. This would, this like, would be like if I went out of re- this would be like if I went on a Zoom just, recording with my nieces and nephews and they just made fun of me for the whole time. I was like, wait, wait, I, I'm so much smarter than you guys, and yeah. I'm listening to you rip yeah. on me. Vanilla Kids, coconut I'm greens. I, I'm telling you about Michael W. Twitty, and all you're saying is where them titties. Come on. <laughs> I'm just repeating my own jokes over an hour. Jesus Christ. It's a low point. I will. You know what? Michael, we're doing titties. Thank you, Russell. You can be the confidence to be who I want to be. We do own a four slot toaster. 
uh, just to cook as much bread as we need for stuffing. But the stuffing is real basic. I went to a Thanksgiving once. It, you know, it's really weird going over to somebody else's place for Thanksgiving where they don't make that thing that you're used it's to. Worse. It's the worst. I went to one and they put sausage in the stuffing. And yeah, I was like, that's the that's good stuff. I was like, no, it, no. Jimmy I was like, this is sausage. fucking terrible. Awesome. This is awful. Oh. I think I think There's Thanksgiving is. I don't need th- it in my stuffing. Thanksgiving is something you need to be like comfortable with as a person. Yes. Like I remember, there have been times where we've we've had friends of you know brother sister myself. We invite like people, new people, and new people at your Thanksgiving is the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> like like as much as like I'm a very Russell's social, date looks over. I'm a very like social person. I get along with a lot of people, but like. At Thanksgiving. That's what a lot of social people say. Yeah, they say, right. I'm very social. I'm, I'm social. I get <laughs> but, along with people. But, but you're the worst. But at Thanksgiving, if you show up, like, at Thanksgiving, you just want to, like, unbuckle the belt another loop. You want to yeah. eat a bunch. You don't want to have to worry about, like, entertaining or being polite to some new person that's not kind of in your in your world. New people at Thanksgiving end that shit now. No, you should you should only be allowed to spend time with people that you've been friends or family with for here, seven here, point here. five years. Right. Yeah. Mm. My wife, my wife's vegetarian. And so my my family's absolutely not. Okay. And so everybody, oh, if, no. if you if you have a vegetarian and you've got one vegetarian and 30 people who are not, right? They're always trying to say, oh well, do you eat fish? No, I'm a vegetarian. You know, yeah. like so the, <laughs> right. Oh, but do you eat chicken? Yeah, so yeah. that kind of thing. But but they, they try to say, you know, everybody's very nice. And they're like, hey, you know, we'll bring bring something, a you know, dish for you, and we'll try to make something. And she's always like, don't worry about me. I'll I'll adjust. It's not a big deal. Like, And so <laughs> the first time she went over to my my family, my mom's side, she's like, they're like, bring something. Okay, well, I'll bring over some Brussels sprouts. She makes some really nice Brussels sprouts and stuff like that. So she brings over this big pan of it, right? And it's this big <laughs> thing. Metal box. Right. And so bring big it, set it box. out there. Sarah yeah. takes her two scoops, puts it on her plate, and that's all that anybody took the whole day. Oh no! <laughs> so oh like, no! Why did they ask me? Kind of, you know, like it's just so I don't know. It's 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 absolutely to Russell's point. Just don't eat, don't introduce anything new. Don't try anything new. Just stick yeah. with the basics. Stick with the classics and call it a day. You made a mistake. You made a mistake. You should have brought the uh, vanilla, the vanilla cocoa beans or greens right. or whatever no, we're talking about. Or peanut butter. Or, <laughs> but yeah, my 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 lady's vegetarian too. So my you know that's been my journey. Is I usually cook turkey, and then uh, we try to make a lot of veggie sides. Yeah. But uh, we're yeah we're we're all alone, just the three of us this year at Thanksgiving. So we're actually gonna um, just do takeout for part of it. Yeah. And then I'm going to make some turkey, but that's it. I've right. decided I'm going to claim vegetarian this year, too, and just go, like, straight pumpkin pie. And they're going to be like, hey, <laughs> yeah. have you noticed Russ has had, like, three full pumpkin pies? I'm like, well, hey, vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I'm, I'm not going to eat that deep fried turkey, but that pumpkin pie, I, I'm going to go to town on that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a healthy lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah, I think for Thanksgiving this year, I'm just going to smoke. All right, so... <laughs> Just that's all I do is just smoke cigarettes all Thanksgiving. Like, wait a minute, that's not the point of this. Dip them, I, dip them in that vanilla bean, whatever Aaron's making, and it'll be oh so yeah. so much healthier for you. Oh, it's, it, it, it's vanilla. What is it, Aaron? Again, <laughs> it's coconut peanut greens. Oh my gosh! Why did we think it was vanilla? Well, who said vanilla? There, I'm very confused. Know. Because does it really matter? <laughs> is no. It? You know, I went to the I went to the doctor once because my coconut penis greens. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a joke in there. My coconuts, penis, peanuts, vanilla, coconuts, peanuts, vanilla. Wait for it. Hold on. Hold on. Guys, wait, 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 wait. No, we got to be quiet. Let Rob think. Hold on. 
My coconut peanuts bleeds. No, that was a real thing. Okay, I did. I wouldn't go to the hospital for that. It's not that big a deal. So <laughs> you it doesn't matter. That's getting edited out. All that stuff's getting edited out. Talk all you want. It's you gone. Tough that Goodbye. Out. It's gone. Oh yeah, no. It, you think? It's natural uh, bleeding. Well, thank you for just finishing what you said earlier. And what a transition! My God, I'm brilliant. Let's talk about Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh, to put this album into context, I am just going to say this: of all coconut the albums we have covered. Screen. This one, no. I, no, you cannot reference stuff that I've cut out. The this, pen is mightier. <laughs> we really need to honor Alex Trebek right now. The pen, yes. the, the pen is green is mightier. Oh, rest, in, rest in peace. Right. I, I love that all the pictures of, like, you know, people are painting now Alex Trebek in heaven, and he's still running a game show. Can you imagine if that's what heaven is like? You just show up there, and it's just your job? You'd be oh like, oh, gosh, oh shit. of... Yeah, the whole genre of memorial artwork is just, it's going off. Like I with, love it. With Chadwick Boseman and RBG going around oh. the same time, that stuff has just completely gone. And they're all berserk. playing Jeopardy, and it's like, wait, what? This doesn't even yeah. make sense. I just, I can't get <laughs> yeah, enough of it. I think it's so great. And Kobe, like, and Kobe is there. Like, it, oh. For Aaron, though, it would be fantastic. Like, he, he would just show up and be, like, eating tacos and, like, and organic peanut butter for weeks oh, yeah. upon weeks. Like, <laughs> oh, can you imagine when we all die, ironically, Big Bopper style, and the last words you hear is, oh, no, baby. And then they do, like, a painting of us, and it's due to, like, what we love. And so, like, me, it's just, like, me listening to me talking on the podcast. Like, I don't know how you paint that, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's heaven, and it's just instead of clouds, it's just a little feet around, and you see me like, mm. is this oh, heaven? Right. No, it's Iowa. <laughs> so here's the deal. I want to put this album thriller into context here. All you need to know about this album is it is an absolute juggernaut. This album is by far the biggest album we've done yet, and just like when you look at how successful this album was, I, I think now with music the way it is, you know, it's just people putting out one hit at a time. To understand what a huge album this was, you really have to look at these are the best. First of all, it's the best selling album of all time. And I'll get into that in a second. But here are the singles released off this album. You ready? Single number one, The Girl Is Mine. Hey, Michael, The Girl Is Mine. This is the number one single because I'm so famous. Rob, The Girl Is Mine. (laughs) Billie Jean, Beat It, Want to Be Starting Something, Human Nature, PYT, Thriller. Every single single hit the top ten. I mean, if human nature is a top 10, though, the, the list means nothing, right? Yeah, Every single yeah. one. That is seven songs off the album that hit Ooh, top I 10. I don't know. There's only three other albums that have ever done that. Of course, Aaron would like human nature. Okay. So <laughs> the three other albums, I'm just I'm just cruising on with my little stats here. <laughs> Keep going. Here. Just plow through, <laughs> the, Rob. The, Get your the, three, the three other albums to do this with seven hit singles in the top 10 off the same album, Bruce, Strings, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, Mm. Janet Jackson's uh, Rhythm Nation, eighteen fourteen. What does that Janet Jackson? Like I could probably name a couple Janet Jackson songs, but that she would have seven seven hits like that. You think this album missed you much? M I S U much? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem is with that album is that we were all living in a Rhythm Nation. We didn't even realize it. Best selling album of all time. uh, Right after number two, ACDC, Back in Black, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, Pink Floyd. And Whitney Houston, the bodyguard. I would have never guessed Meatloaf. Would you guys? Uh, no, no, no. But I, I, who was buying that album? I mean, it's Meatloaf's not it, even in the top five hundred anymore. He got bumped. Is yeah. it like a bunch of moms that 
love meatloaf because they look like what their husband Which looks that like is now because that meatloaf album is it's right up our alley it's like a it's a pretty short album with the exception of paradise by the dashboard lights being a long song but that, that meatloaf album goes by quick and it, it's got some jams we should do that album and then i'll come up with a uh, a fake call for the baseball one but it's all about us again mm. <laughs> so and then, and, then I, and i think the only other thing i want to talk about off this album is is how this started video culture you know mtv had started a couple years earlier but was really reticent, not, maybe not reticent, but they weren't playing black artists on MTV. And they said, oh, it's because they're not doing rock and roll. They're not doing this or that or whatever, you know, their BS excuse was. But all of a sudden, Billie Jean comes out and that that video is so huge that they have to put it into heavy rotation. Yes. So, OK, so, yeah, yeah. So Beat It at the time was $160,000 for them to make. Right. And it was totally like it just changed everything. It, all these videos started playing over and over. Just to give you an idea, the video for Scream. Do you remember when Michael Jackson released Scream? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That video was that $4 was million dollars where he was making like. I, I, do you guys remember when Black and White was released? That was a huge deal <laughs> for the, us. I remember yeah, that, when they the, the, released it on Fox Live. Yes. The one I remember that was big on Fox was Remember the Time because Magic Johnson was in it. Arsenio Hall was in it. Do you guys remember that Eddie one? Murphy, right? Yeah, that was yes. all the Egyptian yeah. shit, right? Yeah, absolutely. The scream video was problematic for me. Is that the black and white one where he's like in a alien ship? Is that scream or is that? Yeah, and he and he and yeah. Janet are yeah. like yelling and breaking stuff, yeah. and like I. But I remember that. Well, no, that, that 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 black and white. I remember I was over at a friend's house, and I realized now they're like my conservative friends, like conservative parents, and we're watching the black or white video, and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I I actually like the song. I think the the morphine stuff was really cool, and then there's ten minutes of him grabbing his crotch. And then beating the shit out of some car and then turning into a leopard. And I was like, right. At the time, I was like, this is very strange. Like, I, why is this on mainstream TV? It was wild. To be fair, though, there were, there were not other, rela- other releases mm. of music videos on network TV, right? It was just on Michael Jackson. TV, not that I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember any other ones. I mean, that's, he, he, he's a, you, you forget what a juggernaut he is. And that was the point I want to make with this whole thing. I mean, this this whole album is huge. And why not? Let's get into it. Song number one is going to be starting something. Let me move some shit around here so I can see a little bit better. I, I think this is also known as going to be starting a terrible song for an album, right? No. No? Wow. Oh, this no. This is lame. It's the only song I like in the whole album. You like it's, it? I, guys, I'm, I know we have tried not to argue much on this podcast, but I feel an argument coming on today about this whole album. I mean, this is so good. So basically, his last album, Off the Wall, was not as successful as he went thought because it, it didn't win Grammy for Record of the Year. And he wrote this song Which for LaToya. Way better than this album. I, no, please don't say that stuff. That's wild. This is a great album. You guys are all wrong. No, no. I like this album, but I think Off the Wall is a better album. But I'm giving away my... Oh man, I I just I love that. But that that was a disco album, right? And basically, there he was real depressed after that album came out, and it didn't win Grammy of the Year. I mean, that's how like powerful Michael Jackson is. And so this wannabe started something is kind of one of the few. It's you know this album is really interesting because it's got a rock song, it's got a soul song, and then it's got this disco song, and then it has a song that it just really turns me on. That baby, or no, that girl is mine. Oh my god, what a sexy (laughs) song that is. I mean, Prince, take a back seat to that song for sure. You know, you know, he he poached some of this from this artist named Manu Dibango, released this 1972 song. 
Wait, who is talking? Is this Aaron speaking? No, no. If this you sounds go, like it's Aaron's left field take of the week. No, here. this is the left field take. No, of the I mean, week. you can, yeah, you can hear, you can definitely hear West African influence in, in Rob, this music. Rob, if you can, sure. if you can jump ahead to some point in the song, there's a point where Michael Jackson is doing the "Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa," that that whole bit. And so I just figured this. Like, I mean, listen Michael- to this voice though, and the horns. Oh my God, the rhythm here is so great. And so that that does that does bang as our as our listeners know. I mean that bangs no doubt. But no doubt. he took he took that from this artist Manu Debongo. I don't know if you've got the clip of that one, Rob. Oh yeah, funky. I like this. What? <laughs> See? Oh yeah. See? Right? Yeah. This is wild that Michael Jackson would listen to this and be like. God damn, I got to put this in a disco song. I'm missing out. This is the easy disco. Well, I think, I mean, I think we haven't even said the the name. And Russell, maybe I don't want to step on your take, Russell. You found you found the the gem. So what else? What else did you want us to know about it? Um, just that he's the name Michael. we haven't. I he, like that he, where you start and then you he, drop it in Russell's lap. Yeah, he, he did sue this guy. So this guy DeBongo sued Michael Jackson and settled out of court for one million French francs. Yeah. One million oh, French yeah. francs. So they had a, a one million dollar franc settlement. That's like two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> There's another. I have no idea. There was another song in the nineties. Like it was it Heal the World or something that also got like, like the same thing. It was like he ripped it off. I don't know if he actually did, but does this happen? I mean, this has happened at least twice now with Michael. Does it happen more than that? I haven't heard of. I also believe Rihanna sampled this song and also was part of a lawsuit with this. Oh my God! I was not aware. But the name we haven't said yet that we should have said at some point already is Quincy Jones. Yes, I, I don't. I I think anything we're any credit we're giving to Michael in terms of putting the music together is uh, questionable. Right. I think Quincy was the real mastermind behind the album. Right. But I was shocked uh, with how as well as Rod Temperton and Greg Fillingaines yeah. and um, some others um, who who are really driving this thing. So I don't think Michael would have heard a 1972 release from Africa. It would have been Quincy who found that stuff. But so, I was. I was shocked with how many songs in this album he wrote. I mean, it's it's about half, I think. That four. They give him credit yeah, for. Yeah, but I think that's be- yeah. I I I think that he had the clout to uh, get writing credit uh, and and not give it to other people. So yeah. I think I, I think it's questionable with how much he, he actually wrote. To Aaron me. and Matt, maybe you have a better feel for this than I do. But so like I've heard, I know the name Quincy Jones. He's kind of this jazz artist. He's this producer, and I kind of looked at like, hey, what is Quincy Jones? N- n- known for and a lot of his michael jackson stuff i think there's some other like he worked with frank sinatra at one point which he's famous for but like what aaron what else is quincy jones really famous for other than michael jackson uh yeah i mean you you sort of nailed it i mean he um and matt you might have seen the netflix documentary about quincy which is i i ate it up i loved it um, yeah, he, he got his start, I think, playing trumpet in Seattle. He was a jazz musician and I think ran with, you know, Miles and people like that. And then um, conducted the Count Basie Orchestra. So he's the conductor for um, Sinatra at the Sands, the, the live album. Um, my favorite work of his, he did string arrangements for um, the Dinah Washington album for Those in Love, which I think is wonderful. Uh, and then he did a lot of film scores, I think, in the 70s and uh, eventually did this work for Michael, but he's, he's the mastermind behind off the wall and this album. But so he, is he famous? Like the, the name is huge. Is he famous for being part of the Michael Jackson albums or why is he really famous? 
it's the it's the whole uh, plethora of his uh, nine decade career at this point, or maybe eight. I think he's in his nineties. So, you know, he started yeah. off in his teens as a horn player, like Rosie said, and then you know I think he went over to, to Europe for a while because he absolutely wanted to be a conductor of a big band. Um, yeah, he might have studied with Boulanger in France, I right? Think so, yeah, you think know, he, and so then he came yeah. back. Oh, I and, studied with him in France. French. <laughs> it was with French. French toast. And then I think, you know, this whole thing of uh, having a, of a, a uh, an African-American who was doing movie scores was just crazy in the, I don't know if it was late 60s or early 70s. He absolutely took over yeah. that genre. I mean, so he's just, he's bounced around from um, kind of artist to artist, but at all times, putting his thumbprint, his handprint, basically his 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 stamp on everything, and so mm. known for taking stuff that's good, moving it to great, and you know helping out different artists just to uh, make sure that they're more or less attra- uh, attracting kind of the I don't know if it's the general the the masses, if you will. You know, it's very commercialized. Everything that he does, I think. And Rosie can correct me if I'm wrong, but and I don't think he's aiming to do that, but he's got that ear that um, you know the masses want to hear. So mm. I don't know. Imagine if Quincy Jones worked with Ace of Base. Oh my God, is that heaven on earth or what? Right, right. No, I'm, I'm trying to force a callback, and it's. I think it would have been a match made in heaven. I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, Quincy knew. I don't know. Quincy if Quincy's knew what sells. He knows what voices before. <laughs> I I was also going to work in the joke John Quincy Adams somehow, like he was a president, but I'm going to skip that. So you're welcome. That's my new goal. Is if go- jokes aren't funny enough, I'm just going to tell you about them. Like I ignore I mean, them. You know, and that but like, makes me a true hero. Russell, have you heard of Rick Rubin? The name Rick. Rubin? I have. Rick Rubin redid a lot of Johnny Cash's stuff on American. Yeah, Records, you know, and he's and he worked with, with the Beastie Boys. He's worked yep. with like a ton of artists, like. Quincy Jones was Rick Rubin before Rick Rubin was Rick Rubin. You know, like he's got the mm. ability to work across platforms and across different genres, and um, just more or less, I think he's got an ear for what is popular music at the time. Understood. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And I'm not going to say that Rick Rubin is also type of sandwich. So you guys are welcome for that. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Next song, "Baby Be Mine," still in the funk disco. I love the hand claps for the percussion in the back. How, I mean, this just jams. Listen to this singing. Woo. Yeah, this one, I mean, any of the any of the tracks that lean more toward off the wall to me are what I really love. And I'm I am I this album sent me down so many YouTube rabbit holes and internet rabbit holes on funk guitar and mini moog programming and all of the sounds, so which I think also speaks to Quincy's influence that every sound on this album is on purpose. And every player on here is an absolute pro. Everything is just in the pocket all the time. And yeah, I think one of the one of the songs on this album that sent Aaron down a real internet rabbit video hole was the song titled uh, "Mother in Law Catches Catches Me." Ernie, <laughs> all right. So that was a good. I like that joke. All right, what? That's a good joke. Oh. I can't just keep what yelling that's a good joke. Bernie. Hey, can, can we get Jenny back in the room and replace him with Rob? All right. Replace him with Rob. Stepmom's stuck. That's what it is. It's stepmom, not mother-in-law. <laughs> Bernie, we apologize. We, apologize. we love Bernie. you, Bernie. It doesn't Bernie, matter. Bernie, it's all getting Keep listening, Bernie. Keep downloading. We love I think, you. I think one of the songs that sent Aaron down a video rabbit hole is Stepmom <laughs> Stuck. 
All right. That's one of the hit songs on this album, if that joke wasn't clear enough. Okay, so next up. I, Nailed it. The baby, I love it. I, I, and, and Matt, I see you shaking your head during some of these songs. Oh. I, what, what is it about this album that you dislike? There is not, and this, this sounds really goofy, but hear me out, okay? There, is not, there is not one note that is out of place throughout this whole album. It is so professionally done. And everything, I think, is geared towards what is going to sell the most amount of records and what is going to get the most amount of uh, radio play. That that is, the, <laughs> that is the absolute goal of this album. We've heard Lauryn Hill now. We've heard Joni Mitchell. We've heard Nirvana. We've heard the Beatles. All of these groups that just basically said, screw what's popular at the time. Big middle fingers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do. And, and it, 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 they create gold, right? And now I think yeah. this is kind of the first album that has started to flip that back. We had a good 15, 20 years of from 65 from Pet Sounds on through this of I'm going to do what I want to do. And now this is the first one that's back to, ooh, what's going to sell the most records and what's going to get me that record of the year. And this is commercial success. Yeah, right. So I, I'm, I'm going to push back on that a little bit okay. because I would guess that if you gave this album to anybody, and you said there's nine songs on here. I'll give you seven guesses as to what the first single off this album was. I bet you would win money every single time because this song is the first single. And if you think they set this out to sell the most albums, I, I want you to just listen to this, man. I mean, this is the cash grab? This is the cash grab right here? This is not the best song. It's Paul McCartney. What I have figured out, yeah. So you put that out because you got Paul McCartney's name on it, right? So, okay, let's bring it in. All right, well, this song is... We can can hear this song. This is all right. And then then you start hitting them with the second best song, and then the first best song, and then maybe you follow it up with the fourth best, but you never put your best song out first if you're going out with radio hits because you want to see where you're at. And if you're doing really great... This song also was out, so interestingly, the, the single was released before the album was done. So then everybody who's working on the album is going, oh shit, we got to get some jams out there because there's already a single with Paul McCartney out leading the album. So there was a lot of pressure on everybody. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on everybody to to deliver. Is there a single person on earth who has heard this album and thought that Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney were actually fighting over some girl? Like, can you imagine people, two people with less (laughs) chemistry talking to each other about it? No, Michael the Goose, and n- neither one of them has a normal voice. Can, like, can we at least? No, can Michael we, the Goose, mine. No, it was mine. No, the Goose, mine. We have to jump forward, to, Rob. I might have given you that time cue, but can we jump forward to where they're arguing over the girl? Because it's hilarious. It's hilarious, but the timing Michael, is fantastic. We're not going to fight about this, okay? Paul, I think I told you. I will say, Paul singing at the end of this is pretty unbelievable. Yes. Hey, Aaron, I'm I'm the forever lover, you know? Is that what you said? Yeah, she said it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, that's when you can hear that he's a pro, right? He just jumps right in. I think every song should have this at the end, where they have a conversation about the song at the end of the song. Be like, (laughs) hey, Jimmy. Did you know there really isn't a thing called a stairway to heaven? Well, I didn't know that, whatever your other name is, and I can't remember it right now. Robert, I can't believe that that's true. And then it's like a five-minute conversation, and you're like, oh, wow, this really makes me think. Hey, Kurt, you really do smell like teen spirit. Oh, thanks, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I I I think that's a good idea. 
Uh, I do think that song makes you realize that Michael Jackson can sing better than Paul McCartney by a factor of 1,000. But does that, was that in question? <laughs> was that ever in question? No, but I think it's hey. fair to, it's, it's fair to tee up Aaron for this because, you know, Michael Jackson, if you go back to like the Jackson five, he is like this big voice. He's got this, it's incredible, right? It's like, Aaron, what do you think of, of Michael Jackson's voice? And how, like, I think it's interesting to ask Aaron, how will you compare it to Prince? Oh, that's a, ooh, man, that's tough because um, Prince is the obviously 1999 came out right before this album. And actually, I was going to talk about 1999 when we talk about Thriller. Their voices are very different. I think Michael was capable of a bit more sort of um, melodic kind of nuance. Um, Prince to me definitely had more extremes in his voice because Prince could do the squeal and he had more, I mean, he, Michael had no bass in his voice at this point in his life. Prince had bass in Are his voice. Are you not giving Michael credit so, for the hee hee? I am. I'm saying, <laughs> no, I'm giving, I'm giving Michael credit, but at the extremes, I mean, when Prince really screams and you, you know, like if you hear it in, um, I can't think of a decent, well, maybe he does it in delirious kind of at the end. But uh, just yeah, I think Michael's our listeners don't know any kind. of these songs. Just make it up, Aaron. <laughs> They're fucking idiots. Hey, hey, Michael's voice. Talk about when Prince make. Talk about when Prince crushes it in that song. Um, yeah, hot dogs in the in the metal oh, pan. Banger. Listen, banger. listen. Uh, our our listeners are the lowest levels of life on the earth. Okay, <laughs> I was thinking about delirious, but I got no. I listened to 1999 today because I was like, well, I got to hear another album from 1982. But now I can't remember which track I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's the thing that like Prince does a squeal like a little Richard kind of thing that Michael doesn't do. But Michael is one of the great voices of all time. And there's a spot. I think this is there's always a spot on these records where you really hear somebody let their voice go for the first time. Mm. And on Purple Rain, it's beautiful ones where he really lets it where Prince yeah. lets it rip. Yeah. And on this one, there's a spot in The Girl Is Mine where Michael just like really lets it go. And that's when you think like, oh, we're in the presence of greatness. But, but don't you think part of it too is that Prince is so much more believable at everything he's saying yes. than Michael Jackson is. Yes. On this album, like Prince, I really do believe that Prince makes me it, he wants me to cream. Right, he wants everyone to cream. Prince wants people to cream. Okay, that's what he wants, and he's he's committed to it. He has set his life out to make people cream their jeans. It's what he wants, Russell. Okay, Russell's giving me the one more time cream. So here's the thing: (laughs) is that Michael on this album? This is where we need to replace Rob with his wife, right? On this album, he is telling us that he is uh, fighting Paul McCartney for a girl. Don't buy it whatsoever. He is scared because he's in a haunted house. I don't even get what the fuck Thriller is hey about. Hey, Rob, this girl is mine. <laughs> I mean, and then and then he wants to tell us that he is uh, telling people to not fight in a gang. Don't buy that. Uh, he's telling some girl got uh, knocked up and it's his kid. Okay, maybe I buy that one. Uh, but I, I just Do don't, you? you don't, you Do don't you? get any of these. Well, not really. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just don't, I, I think Prince is so much more believable. It's, to me, it's all commercial. Hey, great songs, right? If you just take listen yeah. to what they are, but like, yeah, I'm with you. So, uh, so this next song, Thriller, I think is is a huge touchstone in any. I think people our age, it's just like a huge part of your life growing up. But I think what's really interesting is when you listen to the song, knowing that the chords he tried to build the chords up to a climax by the end of the song, and that's why there's so much tension during the song. To a what? Oh, this, to a what? Bass line. There's a ton of tension in the song. It's kind of builds and builds and builds. The horns, oh. 
This baseline is done on a mini Moog synthesizer I learned I love from it. YouTube this week. This is the yeah. first time I've really listened to this as a song and not as a video. I've always thought of this as a video and right. not yeah. an actual song, mm-hmm. but the song yeah. is pretty awesome, right? It is, but then when you look at the lyrics, it's very strange because it's all about how scary it is outside. And then the whole part is that he wants to be their thriller. Like he wants to be with them all night and be their thriller. So it's a very I it's But even the even the name thriller, right? Like they 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 wrote the song, they they didn't know what to name the song, right? They had all sorts of stuff, and then they finally settled on thriller because they thought that it had commercial they could sell merchandise around the name thriller. And so mm. it was all about commercializing the song and everything. So Again, the music video is iconic. Yeah. It, it 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 absolutely like springboard the whole way that uh, people heard mu- new music and how things were uh, put out into the mainstream. You know, and I always thought of this music as as dance music because people dance to it at weddings. But <laughs> and I always just thought of it as like music to move your butt to. Does anybody, oh. anybody know anybody who a joke did it? Aaron. Aaron, be nice to me and but, Rob's sister. Like we we don't but, need to go down that path. Like I know you're. So like, I always just thought of I know it you as, have like as an MD music. music, but you don't, we don't really like hammer people on that. That's kind of ridiculous. But it turns bullshit. out like this is this is total nerd music, and it it's not just nerd music, but it was what? it's it's sort huh? of. It's taken this like the arms race that we that that was started. Uh, so when when Stevie Wonder made songs in the key of life, we talked about that oh, there were there were four. Matt walked of out. Matt got up left. Synthesizers called the Dream Machine in the world, and Stevie had two of them. Oh, Rob, and Rob, the same, Rob, that's Bob Dylan. No, change it. I thought I heard this on Stevie Wonder too. I'm not no, sure. I think that's wrong. Okay, Aaron, don't hit me with that because you. I read. I read seconds. a passage in my book yesterday that compared Stevie Wonder and Bob Dylan's harmonica, and I was going to bring it up on the pod, oh, and I'm geez. not going to do it. But I'm I'm not going to talk about Haruki Murakami on this pod. Don't make me do it. <laughs> well, we, we might need to call it an emergency pod where we talk about how you guys keep going. I got to take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob legit got Aaron. Keep going. Rob left. Rob walked so out. Keep going. Say, he got so bored. He said, is, "Fuck it, I'm out." <laughs> This is the first time where Rob has walked out of the podcast. <laughs> He's Aaron, the host. Tell happened. me about That's it. True. Aaron, I listened to you. So, Tell me about it. I, <laughs> we Matt, don't think about the fact Matt, like you Matt, you think Matt, about I'm like, here. okay, on, you, I'm here. Sure. These guys like, you you know, a guitar is a guitar. <laughs> drums are drums. You get your you get your instruments together. You play some music. You record it. You make a song. But that's a, a lot of what mattered was who had the equipment. And that's what Stevie had with Songs in the Key of Life. Mm. And there's a story. It's not. It's not clear to me if it's true or not. But there's. It might be apocryphal. But there's a story. We haven't got there yet, Rob. Just so you know. <laughs> I was gonna say him While saying like re- I'm not even gonna talk about Hermerka Curry is like me <laughs> saying no. I'm not gonna tell that joke. But it was a good one. Like he's bragging that he knows it. He just doesn't Rob, want to go into Rob, it. Rob, you went to the bathroom and Aaron just read like two chapters of Kierkegaard or whatever that book yeah. was called. He said, "Here, I'll, I'll I'll quote. I'll tell you what he said. He said, you know, drums are drums, and guitars are guitars. And now here we are. Okay, sorry." There's a story that that during the recording of Thriller, someone played tapes of Prince's 1999 for Michael Jackson. And I don't know if that's true because they were only released about a a month apart. So I don't know. That would have to be some like subterfuge kind of thing. But Michael heard those synths and he was like, I got to have that. That's the sound that I need. And so it was this, you know, escalating. You had to have the right equipment because at the time, technology was also changing rapidly at the time, too. So a synthesizer that would have taken up a whole room in 1975 
now fit inside a studio, but they still weren't being mass produced and people didn't know how to use them necessarily. So um, that's a lot to me about how the sound of this, of this song came about was that there was this escalating, you know, who had the best equipment, who could play it, who could program it. And um, I don't know if it's true or not, but, but people say that, that, Michael heard Prince's synths from 1999 and was like, I got to have that sound for Thriller. I guarantee that synth- that synthesizer would take up less room than my elliptical that doesn't work in my living room. <laughs> Michael Jackson Sorry. saw Prince working on an elliptical. He's like, I need to have that elliptical. Look at that butt. Look, two little eggs back there. Uh, okay, so listen, the difference, I think that we can agree the main difference between Prince and Michael Jackson is that Michael Jackson was singing Beat It about being in a gang, and Prince wanted to oh, beat it oh at no. a gang so bank. Just, just Come on, going. it was a good one. It's right there. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, this song is definitely about his disdain for violence and running away from a fight. Definitely about that. That's for sure. 1,000%. <laughs> Couldn't be about anything else. Well, we've talked no. about this before, Rob. Isn't the, the Van Halen the the guitar solo on this song? Yep. With the background music, it sounds so much better. But is I mean, this, think about, compare this song to the songs we've listened to so far. It's gone from disco to whatever that Paul McCartney one was. To, and now this is just a straight up rock song. It's crazy. I would say that was two buddies fighting over a woman. That was the that was the the second part That's of the, the last song. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, the, 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 uh, the gangster story about Eddie Van Halen in that one, right? Is that he just gangster. he came in, played it in like one or two takes, and just left and said, "No, no, I don't need don't, don't pay me for it. Whatever, I just did it." And it turned out to be like one of the best selling albums of all time and the best selling hits of all time and he's got the guitar solo and he never gets paid for it because he just said no no i'm good listen if not getting paid for something makes you gangster guys i got news for you <laughs> we're all in a gang and I, I can already see that matt's wearing a red leather jacket that he just showed us from the thriller video so he has matt, fallen into this trap of selling matt, merchandise matt you gotta keep those hand signals down during the podcast we can't see just keep like the hand signals i know it works for you in your gang yeah <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta relax a little bit yep Matt's just putting up the big thumbs down in his gang to show that he doesn't like other gangs. All right. Uh, next song. You know what, guys? You know, I had a friend named William, and he left some pants at my house, and I had to call him and say, hey, Billy Jeans? <laughs> Start this podcast over. No, don't thumbs down me, Matt, for that. Come on. That's not. Don't do that. It's hurtful. You know, I, you got to call a spade a spade. It would be hard to argue that Thriller leading into Beat It and Billy Jean is not the the best three song stretch on any album ever. How do you beat those three songs? It's amazing. What is uh, Metallica's Metallic uh, Ride the Lightning? Is that their first? No, song? no. I'm a Metallica fan. Nothing rivals this. These are the best three songs in a row on any album ever. This song was number one for nine weeks, almost almost a fifth of the year. And when apparently when they first brought in uh, Quincy Jones, is rumored to have hated the bassline. He of course denies that now. And he hated that it was a 29-second intro to the song. And this, like I said earlier, this was the first video where he was it was put into heavy rotation on MTV. So it's a really well, well, a yeah, groundbreaking I would, song. I would so cool. also hate the baseline if I stole it from Hall of Notes. If you guys <laughs> Rob, maybe, oh. Rob, if if you can pull oh, up. Oh, that's I number can't three go, that he's stolen now. So if, why would you, why would you hate it if you stole it? It doesn't make Rob, any sense. Rob, if you can pull up I can't go for that by Hall of Notes. Supposedly, uh, one of the Hall of Notes, one of these dudes admitted 
said that Michael Jackson said he stole it from this. Listen to this. That is the line. This is it. Yes. You hear yeah, it? That's, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. So supposedly Michael Jackson told Paul or Oates or whoever the hell else was in this band. I think it's that, just one guy named Holland Oates. Yeah, it's like Paul and <laughs> it's it's whatever Aaron Fake eats news. for breakfast in the morning. Oats, steel cut oats. <laughs> well, I can tell you when he tried to steal that baseline, they were like, "Well, I can't go for that." Mm. Uh, <laughs> don't mm, don't mm that but, joke. But, but what do you guys think? Like, if you if you tee up Thriller, beat it, Billy Jean. Yes. it is hard to beat those three songs in a row, right? Okay, well, how about this, Russell? No. What if I say Human Nature, PYT, and The Lady in My Life? Mm, those are three pretty good songs. <laughs> I will say, Russell, we, we had this discussion over text a little bit. The thing that gives me pause is that Thriller is the end of side one, and Billy Jean is the beginning of side two. So if you're listening on vinyl, it's, it's, it, it, you don't get the same like murderer's row feeling because you got to get up and change the record. Our listeners don't have record players. Rob doesn't even have a record player. He's the host. <laughs> so that doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm, I'm, through my phone speakers, this all sounded great to me. I loved it. <laughs> nice job, Quincy, putting all that time in. Aaron, I got this thing called a Sonos. You should try it sometime. <laughs> yeah. It's advanced technology. All right. Uh, human nature. This was written. Uh, the guys who performed on this were in the band Toto. Right. This is this voice, though. Total cover okay. that uh, Weezer song, Africa. <laughs> I got to tell you, huh. this this was like our fourth album in a row. No, I shouldn't say that because Lauren Hill, I understood. I could not understand a damn thing he's saying on that. Like, if you asked me to say like two words he said in that, what's he saying when he's like, nice, nice. I mean, why, what is he? Why? There's tell a song where I swear he nature. says, where he says, that first song where he's like, you're a vegetable, you're a vegetable. I was like, what is he, he saying? Yeah, he does say. No, he says you're a vegetable. That you know, you want to be starting something. He really does say you're a vegetable. Yeah. See, you that understood song is it. About his, <laughs> that I'm song is apparently about his brother's wives. I should have brought this up earlier, but he wrote a song about his brother's wives starting stuff. Um, but I, that's it, that moment has passed. I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> I like human nature because. Okay, Aaron, um, tell SWV, us about your brother's wife. We know you want to hear. We know SW, you want to say something about it. Let's go. <laughs> Oh my man, my brother's wife is totally cool. I have nothing to say oh, bad about her. You're on camera. Yeah, He's holding up a go. thumbs down. I don't know why that yeah, no okay. jokes to make. <laughs> no <laughs> jokes to make there. Rob, Rob, stop putting your thumbs down. That's wildly inappropriate. We're talking about Aaron's wife. Aaron's brother's wife. All right. The next song. Okay, I am gonna say this. I love the song PYT. Yet another song as a teacher I cannot play at school, and I have to make sure it's not on any playlist. <laughs> if it comes up, I am in huge trouble. But I do want to say that he just says PYT like it's a, something that everyone says. There's, there's, has anyone ever used the term pretty young thing or PYT for short? No way. You would not have no, a job. This is, this is the first. If yeah. you use that now, you would not have a job. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't like, even matter what you're talking Rob, about. Right. You could be talking about a tree. Rob, right. Rob, Rob. Rob, hit play. Rob, just hit play. Yeah. <laughs> just play the song. God dang, it's a good song, though. Another great bass line. See, excellent keys. I can't decide. I go back and forth all week long. Is this a great keyboard album? Is it a great guitar album? Because I'm... It's tearing Aaron up inside. David Williams playing on here, but the keys are great, too. So, Aaron, sometimes, like, I know you're, like, educated in music, but sometimes you don't think outside the box. 
Mm. Part of what makes this song amazing <laughs> is there's a couple things. The first is I agree with Russ. Back- You're dumb as shit. There are backup singers on this song, and one of them, when I was looking at Genius.com at the lyrics, one of the one of the backup singers was listed as Mindy Cohen, who was Natalie Green on the Facts of Life. And what? Natalie Whoa. Green on the Facts of Life later went on to say, I sang backup vocals on this song. So maybe we need to play up the, the Facts of Life song, right? Facts of life. This facts of life. One of the main actresses in this show sang backup vocals. Like this is right up Rob's Blossom Road. You got to admit, TV shows don't have theme songs like that anymore. Like that is a jam and theme song. It's a banger. But 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 beyond singing (laughs) backup, did you know that that Mindy Cohn, aka Natalie, as she went on in the Facts of Life, also was playing. Not Tootie, not Joe. She was playing claps. And, and when we start our podcast oh. every night, we do a clap. And so if you listen to PYT, there's this there's this part where the, the beat is really being conducted by a clap. It's not a drum, it's claps. So what I want to do tonight is give you guys the best five songs ever where claps are featured as part of the song. Okay, I know that's got to be on here. Aaron's going to be pissing me. Yeah. I might have cut this one out because it was really good. I don't know. Do we need to cut this whole whole part out? No, Aaron's thinking about that time in college where he got the clap. He's confused by this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So this this was a really difficult decision, and I had to cut a lot of things out. So there were certain things I cut out. Don't apologize, if, Russ, ever. If if there is a band that is on the top 500 list, I've cut them out of the greatest songs with claps ever. Okay. Wow. So that means the Cars, where they, their um, best friend's girl is out. Oof. Steve Miller Ooh. band, Take the Money and Run, where it's... Yeah, of course, that is famous. out. Yep. Celia by Simon and Garfunkel, out. So those songs are out. Also, if it mentions claps in the song title, it is out. That means... <laughs> Fits in the tantrums, hand clap, out. Yeah. I can hear Beck. your hand clap. Back, clap hands, out. So here we go. Here are the five greatest songs that feature claps as part of the music. The first one is, and I feel like Aaron's going to like yell at me right now, but I got to go Black Eyed Peas, pump it. Ooh. I should know what that sample is with the. Uh, it's in Pulp Fiction, yeah. but I don't know the name of the song. Oh yeah, what is that song? This is pretty fun. God damn. Do they rap on that song, or is it just a dance song? It's a baby no, they're all singing opera on it. There is a rap later on, but the yeah, the, a, the, the, the claps really featured at the beginning. So number two on the list, I, I like that. Is is a relatively newer one. It's Florence and the Machine. Dog days are over. Let's see if oh, you know this one. Oh, jeez. I'm going to go flip over a car. Holy shit. This is such Check a good song. Aaron, focus on the claps. Oh, my God. Clap to this song, my friends. You know who's underrated? The Machine. <laughs> <laughs> I did it Florence for about a year. I dated the machine for like two years. It was fantastic. Yeah. Every Banks. time. <laughs> the third song oh, on the nice. list is Thurston Harris and the Sharps, Little Bitty Pretty One. What? Let's see if you know this one. Ooh. Oh, listen to this class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Huey, Huey Lewis covered this too, but I like this one. You, how can you not clap with this song? It's 
true. It's a, it makes me well, want to clap. I'm to sing along. That's, I don't want to force that on you guys. You could sing. Nope, not doing it. The fourth one, num- number two on the list. So this is the second greatest song ever with claps, as far as I'm concerned. It's Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You. This is right out of that movie, Reservoir Dogs. Otherwise known as otherwise known as uh, a band song I thought was by Bob Dylan until I was like 35 years old. <laughs> That's true, yeah. You're, you're telling me Matt couldn't sit, cut someone's ear off to this song? He easily could. <laughs> Also, those claps, those claps are really subtle. That's, ooh, that's nice. Okay, and the last one, the number one song of all time that features claps, and this is going to be a little off the wall. I feel like oh. Aaron might like this one. We got Missy Elliott, bomb intro, past the Dutch. Holy shit, yeah, whoa. Listen carefully now. Listen, listen. Are you referencing the out the window to that airplane joke I made earlier? And can't edit out now. So you have this song about claps, and she specifically references Michael Jackson holding that baby out the window. Give me props for that one. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's incredible. Also, I wouldn't even try to embarrass myself by trying to clap along with that because that's really complicated rhythm. That's fantastic. No, that song makes me want to clap my clap my cheeks. <laughs> Every we oh, a clap. clap, yeah, pop clap, the clap. Oh no, oh, come, Aaron, I, I Aaron, did not say that. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think that's a thing that people do. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a thing people do. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trigger the bleep joke. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Perfect, Russell. And I, I would say that any list that has Missy Misdemeanor Elliot in it. Is a phenomenal list. So congratulations. That was one hell of a list. I got to yeah, say. And she specifically referenced right. Michael Jackson right. and did the hee hee. Right. <laughs> Excellent work. Excellent Rob, work. can you at least try to do the hee hee once before this thing is out? Hee hee. Oh, there we go. Nailed there it. Go. There it is. There. It. We've been waiting the whole episode. When he's saying Shamone, what is he saying? That's something I've always wondered. I thought for a while he was saying like the whale at SeaWorld, but I wasn't sure what he's talking Shamu? about when he says Shamone. Mm. Yeah. Shamone. Uh, yeah, that, that's a mystery to me. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I thought maybe only we, we had maybe riff on that. <laughs> if only we had uh, no, that's computers fine. to look this stuff up. I feel like Teen Wolf shooting a shot and Aaron just rejected me, so that's no big deal. Uh, now we have yeah, Michael J. Fox ain't rejecting anyone. To, to close out to close out this album. I mean, I guess Aaron Barron's maybe. I've played basketball with Aaron. He's a lot of mid-range <laughs> jumpers. I could see why like Michael Jackson or Michael Mike, Michael J. Fox on a T-Wolf serum could potentially block Aaron's shot. <laughs> potentially. I don't think it's a guarantee, but... I think it's a guarantee. As I yeah, get I older, my balls are starting to look more and more like Teen Wolf. All right, so... <laughs> Wait, I can't say... But you're gonna oh, Aaron, no. Aaron. I think this no. is a family-friendly event. I think what if there was a movie about that, that would be called Low T-Wolf. All right, so let's... <laughs> so how am I going to edit that together where I can... Oh. Okay, so mother-in-law listening. All right, here we go. The hey, lady Bernie. in my life. Hey, I, hey, to Bernie. finish the album, here we go. It's just like, guys, you know when you ride a great roller coaster... You're hey, going Bernie, up, I'm you're going down, ready to you're loop to loop, you're going around, you're, you're just having a great time in that roller coaster. And then there's that last 10 feet where you slowly go to the place where you have to get off and you just slowly slow down and you realize like, oh, this really sucks. 
Well, here's the lady in my life. <laughs> yeah. AKA the terrible ending to an album, right? You know, I read on Wikipedia that most people think The Girl Is Mine is the worst song on this album. I don't even think it's close. Right. It's the lady in my life. Right. Possible, yeah. It's interesting. He's following the same uh, formula as he did on Off the Wall, which close, I think closes with She's Out of My Life, right? Or is that second to last? But uh, I think mm-hmm. this song... Yep. Sucks and oh, I, <laughs> wow. uh, I think it's a terrible song. It's a crappy Aaron, way to end the album. Aaron's just so, delivering the profile direct right it's, now. Yeah, it's I'm, a Hoover. Sure does I'm gonna, suck. <laughs> I'm gonna Sorry. clip Aaron saying that song sucks and I'm gonna play it like after every Miles Davis song we talk about. Just make him look like a real asshole. Oh, here's Aretha Franklin saying, re- singing respect. That song sucks. <laughs> And it's such a strange choice to end the album. And I thought there must be a better way to end the album. So I Mm. scanned through uh, several album closers from our namesake. And I came up with two that I think were better than this. So, Rob, if you wouldn't mind doing the honors. Uh, Ace of Base. uh, Ace of Base did it better. They've got better closers. (laughs) All in Oats did it better. Maybe starting with the track Dreams off of Vex Colors album from 2017. Oh, yeah. This is way better. Closer. Not only is this the album closer. This is not Mariano Rivera coming in. I'd say it's like Trevor Hoffman coming in to close. No, this is like a one. That song was also featured on FIFA 16. What else you got? Uh, and then I thought, okay, well, maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe you, maybe you're into down tempo closers. So then I, I found everlasting nothing off of Beck's 2019 um, hyperspace. Mm. Just to let anybody know, if they come up to me and say, you know, actually I'm more into down tempo closers. I will kick your ass. All right. <laughs> Why would you have that thought in your head? You'd have to be a real psychopath to have some preference like that. What do you think a good closing song on an album needs? I mean, are you down with like a closing song that's like Purple Rain? Or are you down with... Yeah, it's just... It's hard, to argue, it's hard to argue that last song Aaron just called up isn't better than The Lady well, yeah. Is Mine or they whatever it was. I like. I think every song we've ever played is. I like, yeah, I like, so I I think, like yeah. a good... I mean, I like a good kind of down-tempo, hey, we're coasting off Okay, I'm kicking your ass. No, I like it. It's great. I mean, I thought that what the second song you played there was great. That was what. Great do, what do you guys think? Like, I know this is hard to like do callbacks, but what do you think is the best closing song ever? So, like, I think one of them is what's the Beatles song at the end of Sgt. Pepper's? That one is fantastic. Day in the life. Yeah, day in the life. Yeah, and then, the and then That's you also have Purple Rain is a Purple closing Rain. song. I, you know what I was thinking of actually is is I don't think it's better than Purple Rain. I think that's a killer, and that's one like I guess I guess Matt is right. Like it is a down tempo yeah. a little bit more, so maybe I should kick my own ass. Okay, it's a lesson. I, yeah, I, I kind the of asses like we the, kicked you know, along the way is the real lesson here. Letting us kind of wind down into the into the finish. I just think the lady in my life misses. So I say when when closing an album with a down tempo jam, I have to say Beck did it better. Hey Rob, uh, well, who would you did say did it, it better. better? Rob, do it right. Rob, do it right. Beck did it better. Yeah. But I'm gonna say, okay, if you're not some fucking nerd and you don't want some down tempo song, Train in Vain, great closing song off of oh, uh, London Calling. Oh wow. Wow. Although technically it was an extra track that was put on later, so maybe not a closing song, but okay. 
So that is it. What a bummer of a way to end an album. So uh, <laughs> we just ended. No, stop. Bring out your trombone, we, Rosie. We just ended that album with Beck did it better in closing albums. Like that, that. That's the whole point of the podcast, and Aaron just proved it. Yeah, well, you know, as you know, I think for us, like we don't understand what it's like to not close on a high note. So mm, true, yeah. very true. Couldn't, couldn't be us. Couldn't be us. And with that in mind, let's go to everybody's favorite segment. <laughs> it's time for the final ratings. Five, five, final ratings. Uh, the question is: Is this album? This is number twelve on the list. We skipped eleven because it was Revolver, and we've already covered it. And how much we love the song Tax Man. So this is twelve on the list. <laughs> is it Rolling Well Toned? Did it get Rolling Boned? Or is this album a Rolling Groan? Russell, what do you think? My my thoughts on this one. There was someone who once said, there's a theory. Thriller is the best-selling record ever because it's the best record ever. And I think to some extent, you have to give it credit for that. Like, I, I know like music diehards don't want to give commercial success the credit it deserves, but if it's the best-selling record ever, it has to be up here on the list, right? And so for me, when I was listening to this, what stood out to me is I think the highs on this this album are as high as it gets. To me, if you pull off Thriller, Beat It, and Billie Jean in a row, that's like as good as you can get on an album. But I think a lot of the other songs in this album are not that great. And so I would say this is like the Gale Sayers of albums, where he came out and he just like crushed it for like five years, and the rest of it kind of was nothing. He retired early. So I'm going to say this is kind of rolling grown. I think it's too high on the list because I think there's only three good songs. Wow. Matt, what do you think? Oh, okay. I'm going to try to keep this very succinct and which means it's not going to be, uh, (laughs) personally, I, I just do not like the album. It doesn't, I, I could not wait. I got two new Pearl jam albums. I got a Marshall Tucker band, uh, Vinyl in the mail. I believe it's the Marshall Tucker Band. The Marshall band. Tucker Band album in the mail today. The Steve Miller Band. You know, and so I, I, <laughs> I could not wait to get done with this album so I could put those ones on. It's just, it doesn't it doesn't speak to me. And that's not to say Russell brought up a great point. I think this list, absolutely, if you are the number one album selling album of all time, that says something. Whether you like an album or not, I mean, it's popular. People like it. That being said, I think they made... Uh, 30 to 35 tracks to try to cut it down to what they've got on this album, which is 13, 10, 13, 12. I don't know how many tracks are on this album, but I think just eight. It's another short one. Is it? Okay. So, I mean, but they, but they recorded, I believe it's, I believe it's number nine, number nine, number nine, number but they nine. recorded the whole thing was meant to put out a commercially successful album. They absolutely nailed that. It just doesn't speak to me. I, I, I don't like it. It's not to my taste. So for me, it's rolling grown. There's a lot of better albums out there. It's hard to argue with the success of the album. So I'm not going to, it's not rolling well grown. It's not like way up the list. Um, I just think there's a lot better albums out there and that this is just, it's just too commercialized for me. Matt, can I ask you one question before we go to Aaron? To me, it's easy to link this with Purple Rain. It's like similar time frame. Like what? What would you pick, Purple Rain or this album? I, Purple Rain, a hundred out of a hundred times. I feel like mm. I feel like Prince. You actually felt like Prince was 
singing the songs and like they were his songs and he owned them mm-hmm. and you know he put every ounce of creative genius he's got into them. I just felt like these like I was surprised like Rob that uh Michael Jackson got credited with four um writing credits on this album. Like I would have I would have thought he just kind of came into the came into the studio and just said, "Yep, that I don't know, that that'll sell some albums. I'll go with this one." You know, but I but going from Lauren Hill, where she just poured out every ounce of creativity she's got, you know, call those feelings, Matt. Feelings, feelings. <laughs> feelings. I don't know what those are. You're gonna have to explain that to me offline. We'll here. get, the, we'll get, we'll get there by five hundred. Yeah, you know, and to go to this, which is is so commercialized, it, it it's completely night and day to me personally. And so, yeah, I'd take Prince a hundred out of a hundred. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I, I really had fun listening to this album. It's uh, one that I've, I didn't even remember that I owned on uh, vinyl, so I've had fun listening to it. Um, I, I think Russell and Matt both put it better than I will. I, I don't disagree with Matt that the, the polish on this record um, means that it's something that I won't probably return to very frequently. However, um, as a record to study over the last couple of weeks, it's been just really eye-opening to really listen to what a team of great musicians, great producers, and a and a great artist can can do together. And so they got so close to perfection on so many tracks that um, I really respect it and enjoyed it. Uh, but I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not the best album of 1982 in my mind. That was 1999. It's not my favorite Michael Jackson uh-huh. album, which is off the wall. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to give it uh, a rolling groan. Mm. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I do listen to a team of great artists and creative minds and whatever else shit Rosie said. Every time I edit this podcast, <laughs> I believe their names are Jenny, Sarah and Anna. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I will say this, this album set the record for me getting caught dancing at my desk, listening to it while I was grading papers or whatever. Mm. I was getting down with this uh, album. Yes. I thought it was just so fun. It was just great to listen. I mean, it's so clean. The voice is so strong. And the beats, I don't think you can express how strong the rhythm and how funky this album is. I just, I loved every minute of it. And that's why I'm giving it a rolling shamo. Uh, And again, (laughs) we don't know what that means. But what a brilliant ending. That is it for Back to the Better. By the way, next week we will see you. We are going to talk about Aretha Franklin. I have never loved a man the way I love you. Are they going to see oh, us? Oh, yes. You recording now? When you want to hear about the <laughs> It's a webcam show. I made some extra money. The only deal is we have to point the cameras at our feet the whole time. So. <laughs> when I say we make money, that means we have to pay money. Actually, so it's kind of not opposite. No. Beck did it better. The foulest stench is in the air. The funk of 40,000 oh, no. <laughs> Rob. Milk, chocolate, coffees. <laughs> Thriller! Thriller night! <laughs>